You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. I'm back, back in the New York Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. What is going on? It is a crazy Thursday, Cranky. It's a very crazy because tomorrow I jump on a plane to Florida and I start my life again. I have, uh, I'm going down to Gainesville for the Florida-Utah game and two Rays-Yankees games. So get to see my Rays catch up to the choking Yankees and get to see Florida reclaim its stature on the national uh, landscape. So a very exciting weekend. I'm just glad we're done with done with the summer and now we can actually watch real football. Very happy. Wow. Shots fired USFL. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you're, you're looking in good spirits. You're laughing. Your flappers no longer. Uh, Look at this. I don't have a, uh, I don't have my thing on anymore. My yeah, little pouch. Your, your tether, uh, whatever that is. Yes, uh, I'll be tethered at the game Saturday and, and over the weekend, so nobody, you know, crushes me or anything. But I'm feeling a hundred percent better than I did Monday when we did the last show. Nice. And uh, well, I mean, I wasn't really sure uh, how you were going to be feeling. I know you have a flight tomorrow, so um, this was supposed to be like a real quick, like, hey, college kickoff weekend. We're going to introduce you to this new thing we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we can't jump right into that. We have to put that off for a couple minutes because. Uh, what was it? it was about 5 p.m. There was a, a maybe like maybe almost like 5:30. There was a shocking news coming across Giants Wire, huh? Pretty shocking, shocking but not completely surprising if you think about it for a little bit. I'll say the timing is weird. So the timing is what makes it shocking. I mean, this would have been big news uh, on whatever, what, Monday, Tuesday, right? This would have been like flying across Giants Twitter uh, in in a flurry of other cuts and signings, which we're going to get to on Monday's episode. Uh, we're, we'll get to the whole 53-man roster as it stands then, since things are kind of churning still. But the timing now is kind of weird, right? I mean, there was, there was a practice Wednesday that Blake Martinez was excused from for personal reasons. Uh, showed mm-hmm. up today, Thursday, but was there only briefly and essentially cleaned out his locker and was out of there just yeah. as media was coming in. Uh, no one really well, knew what was going on, players included. I mean, I mean, let's think about the timeline. Forget like this last couple of days for the last few weeks with him. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, he's no longer going to be the guy with the little green dot on his helmet anymore. He's not, you know, calling plays anymore. He wasn't named captain by his own teammates. So don't you find that a little odd? He's one of the the few veterans left on this team. Someone's been around and he's not a thought enough in a regard by his own teammates to be named a captain. And we have how many captains on this team now? 10? Casey almost, Kreider is one of them. That yeah. long snapper who, whose name I could never remember. Yeah. I grump. I think you're a captain. So, I mean, it's ridiculous I mean, I how many it. they have now. But the fact that he was not named one and that, and maybe, you know, maybe he's not a hundred percent healthy from last year is a pretty significant injury. And I think all those things combined, you know, had a personal day. I mean, who knows behind closed doors, what was said between him Joe Shane, Dable, all of those guys. I mean, it just might have been a blowout and just like a, 
you know, I don't want to be here anymore thing. And, you know, like we'll never really know for sure what happened with Logan Ryan. We never know for sure what would happen with this. But to me, the sense is this is a new regime. We're trying to not only turn a football team around, we're trying to turn a culture around. And we're not going to stand for any bullshit anymore. We're not going to stand for a loser mentality. You know, I'm not saying that these guys are, you know, exhibiting those traits. We, we, we don't know exactly, but I think they are trying to start fresh. And there is going to be a lot of one step back to go two step forwards with this team. And is Blake Martinez not being on this team make this team a better team this year? Maybe not. Maybe based on his, you know, his health. We 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 don't know. If he's got a piss poor attitude because he's not named captain or you know whatever reason, do we really want that here anymore? So to me, everybody knows my feeling for this season. This season to me is we're not calling it it's a tank year. We're getting ready for the future. We're looking for building this roster through the draft, the responsible right way, not trying to get out of cap hell, all these things. And, you know, if Blake Martinez being on this roster means we win one extra game this year, who cares? I'd rather just start fresh. And if that's the way, you know, this uh, organization and front office and coaching staff think that they should, they're best moving on without him, so be it. I just don't understand the vitriol I'm seeing on social media that all of a sudden we've had eight months of goodwill with this, uh, you know, this new organization. And all, it's just been shattered in two hours by everybody thinking, you know, how stupid are we? Have they done anything right in the last eight months? I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. Can we play one game before we make any sort of evaluation on anything? And well, well, hang on, happen. hang on, hang on. Let's 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 break this down a little bit more from the top <laughs> yeah. here because you threw a lot at me here, and I'm throwing it. I, throwing I think you. some of it's horseshit, and I'll, I'll tell you why. So, for <laughs> starters, the tank thing makes no sense to me because they restructured him. They could have saved more if they wanted to tank. They could have saved more right from the get go, and he was a dude coming off injury. So, I don't. I initially thought, well, they, they wanted to keep somebody like him around because that was prior to the draft, and they had no idea they were going to get Micah McFadden, Darren Beavers. They needed so many guys. They needed to fill as many holes as possible. And that sort of makes sense, but at the end of the day, they're up against the cap, and if it's a tank, who gives a shit one way or another? So yeah, it, that, that doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, but to me, it's, it's not so much. It's, it, it's the attitude, maybe, and that's the thing. Well, where well they, here, here's the other thing. What? what that's just my take on the the tank on its face. It has has. I don't think getting rid it. of him is just to tank. No, 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 no. I don't either. But I think that when you, I when you factor in, does making this move make the team worse? And then you, you know, add in, does that really even matter this year? As uh, a countermeasure to that, or whatever, some kind of offset language in your brain. I can follow that logic, right? Where it's just like, there's other reasons we want to get rid of him. It's going to make us worse, but also who cares this year? I can I can follow that, where the yeah. tank is like a secondary relief. Right. Right. Um, but do we agree that there's no like football reason that he's not here? Unless he's not healthy enough. I mean, but, he... but from what you've seen, is there any reason you can think of that you've seen, that you see any evidence of, other than him sliding a little bit on the depth chart, 
I can't think of any reason football-wise only. Like, I keep seeing this thing like he's not a fit. He didn't fit. And they just say that. Like, Jordan said that, and there's there's no detail as to how he's not a fit. How the fuck is he not a fit? I mean, Logan Ryan got cut pretty quickly, and one of the quick first reasons was he's not a fit. And they got rid of him almost immediately. So I think not a fit is not at all a football reference. I think no. not a fit is this is a vocal leader from the prior regime. And mm-hmm. I don't really – I don't know how I feel about that. Like I don't really – I understand where you're coming from where like Blake Martinez is not Ray Lewis, right? Like mm-hmm. in his prime. he's So like the the – Jumping to conclusions that like is this does the staff know what it's doing at all kind of thing is 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 losing minds a little bit there but yeah. but like there is no there's no football reason I can think of that they should get rid of Blake Martinez there's no real financial reason they should get rid of Blake Martinez because they didn't really save all that much uh, and, it, and they created a hole in the process you know I, I'm not really sure I mean again that's the things that we're not on the team we're not. In the, we're not in the locker room. We are not privy to those conversations that he's had with his teammates, with the coaching staff, with the front office. We don't know. He, he might have just been like, fuck this. I'm out of here. I don't want to be a backup. I don't, you know, I'm not a captain. Nobody here respects me. I don't, I'm going to take my ball and go home. I mean, that, that seems like the most logical reason what happened was, and they said, we're not dealing with this. We're not dealing with a potential problem in this, in this locker room. So, and if there's no, you know, and this is a year, again, if this is a team that's projected to be 11 and five, they'll hold their lows and say, we're keeping this guy. There's going to be a value for him. But if there's nothing to lose, you know, why are they bothering with aggravation when they're trying to rebuild the culture on this team? That's the only logical reason I can see why they would, would do this. And I think it makes a lot of sense. So, you know, I wondered that myself, uh, you know, you you and I had briefly text exchanged it about this, exchanged it, exchanged <laughs> about this, um, and uh, you kind of like half joked, like you know, well now we know why he wasn't named a captain, and you know at that moment I thought like, wow, was that really like, was that a sticking point for him, or was he offended by that, or or something? And then you know I thought to myself like, why am I assuming that if there was an attitude issue that it was on his side? Wink Martindale does not strike me as a guy who is best friends with everybody who works for him. Does he? Mm-hmm. I mean, no. I, I I think there might be a personality clash there because with the Logan Ryan one, that happened before like anything was really in place. You know what I right. mean? There was no chance really for personalities to rub the wrong way, I don't think. Um, well, we don't know. I mean... I, I, good point. You're right. I mean, um, there's some people you... I mean... There are some people in your life where the, the second you meet them, you just don't like them. They, they just rub you the wrong way, and it, it doesn't have to take a relationship and building you, and period. You it could fight, be... and you tailgate with them, and you start podcasts with them. And... <laughs> <laughs> you have the same, the same cousins that yeah. are related. and yeah. You go to the same Christmas parties every year. God damn it. This guy's always around. But yeah, I mean, that animosity could happen just immediately upon and – that, we, we, we don't, again, we don't know this is true, but let me ask you, Grump, who has more built-up credibility over their career? Wink Martindale or Logan Ryan slash 
Martinez? You know, I don't really know the answer to that question. I, you know, when you say over the course of their career, you know, now you're going, you know, before he was a defensive coordinator, before he was in the NFL. Uh, I don't know. I'm assuming Martindale is probably right. You know, I don't fucking know. Probably. Blake Martinez hasn't really been around that long. He was with Green Bay for only a couple years before being here. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, this is the coach's team. And, you know, it's the general managers are putting a roster together that the coaches could use to implement their – offensive and defensive schemes and then with you know their play calling to execute plays and players play what they're trained coached taught to do and instructed to do and if there's a guy who's not playing ball with any of that stuff he's the one who's going to go unless you are someone of the stature of an Aaron Rodgers who can get head coaches fired because they just don't want him around anymore but neither of these guys are in that category of oh no yeah, so they're the ones who are going to go. And again, we're not talking about Lawrence Taylor as a linebacker. We're not talking about Ray Lewis, like you said. It's a guy who had a very, very significant injury. A guy who both of us, when we did our salary projections for a cut down, both had him cut in favor of uh, James Bradbury. Yeah. And so, not only that, you know, once he hurt himself, I wondered if he was coming back to this team at all. And that goes back to last year, like what, like week mm-hmm. three, week two? Mm-hmm. It was a long time ago. I think. I mean, the fact three. that he was even on the roster until today, you know, if you would have asked me this back in January, pretty surprising. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I, to me, I think that maybe there was personality clash in addition to you know. Just the fact that he was part of the vocal leader guy from the prior regime maybe played into it. But I think maybe the captainship thing was maybe the last straw in a longer in a longer running maybe personality clash or whatever. But I can't think of a real football reason. But you know, I've been saying for weeks too that like it has surprised me how much the the linebackers really shine in this defense. And it's Mm -hmm. saying I distinctly remember saying something along the lines of like, how is it possible that guys like Darian Beavers and Micah McFadden and Tay Crowder suddenly and Austin Calitro, all these guys suddenly look like really viable linebackers when they were, I mean, who were they before? Tay Crowder we've been kind of bitching about for the last two years as being a starter. Now he looks pretty decent in this defense. And Blake Martinez was just one guy I didn't say that about. Granted, he, he was really limited in his practice and stuff, but... I don't know. I, I have no idea. I, I don't know. But, you know, the bottom line is he's not here anymore. And I guess, you know, the exit from this is before we get on to our college stuff is, has your opinion – I can't even asking this stupid fucking question. But I'm going to ask you because I am right now, as we are talking, I am, in a, I am in two different Twitter fights with people about this. So I'll just ask you the question. Has your opinion of Joe Shane changed or no. Brian Dable changed because of this? Well, has I, your, I would has, say not yet because I don't really know how this – this happened today at 5. It, it, in, when I was a kid, this kind of thing happening, I wouldn't find out about until tomorrow morning in the newspaper. So there are details that I think will eventually spill out. And my opinion of the front office and coaching staff is going to change with every single move that they make. Because I'm still getting to know them too. I mean, I've only mm-hmm. known them for less than a year myself. So 
does it change immediately upon this? Absolutely not. That would be silly. But I don't know any of the details. If I find out that this was the result of a more petty thing and we have made ourselves worse because of a more petty argument, it my opinion might change. I don't know. There's details that could come out I that could change. I don't even know if it but... made us worse. I mean, I'm still have well, to be convinced. Well, there's that too, yeah. I just have to be convinced that, that he could be on the field and playing at the level he was before the injury before I could make that, that, is, that statement. I mean, you know, I'm arguing with somebody now who we named nameless, and he's like, they're actively making the team worse. Like, they are? Do we know for sure that, you know, he, without him on this roster, they'll be worse until we see he's 100% where he was before? I, I Nobody can make that assessment. I know somebody who can make that assessment more than me. That's the coaches. It's true, they're true. the ones who watch him every single day, every moment. It every- is still weird that he made it through roster cuts, though. I, yeah. But again, remember, it's almost kind of house money, but with the cap savings, it would be. It's almost like, well, you got him. It's not really any benefit to get rid of him. And maybe they thought that uh, the, 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 the captain thing happened after the, the roster cut down, right? Correct. Okay. So, I mean, again, we don't know how he reacted to that. And I'm sure it's going to dribble out. There'll be somebody who from the inside is going to say that he probably threw a raging shitstorm after it. It probably meant a lot to him. It would be weird. It would have had. I, I would think that that would have had to have happened behind closed doors in some capacity because, I, I think it was Jordan that said that there were players that didn't even know what was going on and why he wasn't around for two days in a row. Um, so you know, I, I, basically, I'm going to reserve judgment on this because I have no idea what this team looks like and yeah. I don't really even know what happened. But Did you play a game. But but also. <laughs> People saying, like beat reporters saying that this is not all that surprising and not shocking are really downplaying this. It absolutely is weird. It's It wouldn't have been that weird if he were cut on cutdowns. You know, we could have said maybe he's not all the way back or whatever. There was a go tipping point. through cutdowns, not be named captain, and then cut is definitely surprising. There was, there, there was a, a, a turning point that happened after cutdown day, that, a tipping point that was reached after the fact i i would have to assume that that's the case yes i mean um i mean maybe maybe there was another injury that happened or, or a setback you know in a practice after they, they've been practicing since cut down day right i'm assuming i uh they they he was excused from practice wednesday for a personal matter which i believe was after the captains were announced okay so that's him probably being super fucking pissed maybe yeah that i mean that seems to fit and then he showed up thursday or, or I think, sorry, I might be saying this wrong. I think he left practice early Wednesday, was excused okay. Thursday, which is today when we're recording this, showed right. up anyway, cleaned out his locker, and was out of there before media got there. I believe that is the timeline of events. All right, so it's, it's probably unlikely there was some sort of medical thing that changed from— I don't think a medical no. thing. You know, no, no. But whatever, you know, I think we'll find out in the coming days and we're going to have an episode on Monday night anyway. So, yeah, we will get into all that when we get into the final 53 heading into week one. Cool. Um, That said, we're going to transition into college kickoff weekend. Some college games started last week, but this is 
You, we, you referred to that as week zero. That's like the first I've ever heard of that. Yeah, it's called – it's something they've done now for the past five or six years where week one is traditionally Labor Day weekend. That's usually when your kickoff classics happen and then your you know, major teams playing your cupcakes for the, uh, the paycheck game. But what they've been doing is they've actually been starting a handful of games the week before – like that last week in August, and they've been referred to as week zero. So last week there was nothing of any interest. Of, I didn't watch any of those games. Uh, but this is the traditional official kickoff of the college football season, week one. So week one is notorious for having some big-name matchups sprinkled in amongst a flurry of lopsided matchups. Yeah. So, you, you, you traditionally don't have – there may be a couple – of conference matchups you know i know this weekend we had um penn state and purdue i mean right. but by and large you don't get into conference play till about week three week four you, you get your cupcakes and non-conference games out of the way so yes most of these games are the southwest louisiana states against alabama's unless you're in one of these pretty cool um yeah, kickoff classics like Georgia's playing in the Georgia Dome against uh, Oregon, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and also you're seeing the rise of more um, power five matchups because teams want to strengthen their uh, their resumes when it's time for the playoff committee to start talking. So doesn't really help anybody if you're, you know, your three non-conferences are directional schools. You want to play. You don't want to get too crazy. You don't want to put Alabama on your schedule and risk a loss. But. You know, that's why Florida, who for 35 years never played anybody outside the state of Florida, you know, is started home and homes against several Pac-10, Pac-12 and Big 12 teams in the next decade or so. Right. So so this is going to be kind of a, a quicker version of what we're going to be doing now is just some some guys to watch. This is a rebuilding franchise, the New York Giants. And mm -hmm. so this is a year that. Um, there may be some lulls and moments when injuries pile up. It may be a horrible time for podcasting and being hopeful and enjoying football. And uh, I don't want to do that for like a millionth year in a row. So <laughs> I'm going to do this instead. Uh, so we will always have something to look forward to. Because even if the season is going well, obviously this team can always get better. So these are going to be guys that we can watch this coming Saturday. So what game of the four games we're going to cover do you want to start with? Well, obviously, <clears throat> you know me at all. I'm going to talk about Florida, Utah. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's four people I want to spotlight really fast from this game. And, you know, first, I'm going to get it out of the way now. Uh, you know what? You've heard me talk about Anthony Richardson all offseason, how I think this guy is going to be, you know, because it has the potential to be the second coming of Cam Newton. And, you know, if this team is moving on from quarterback, you know, in the next draft, this is the guy I would be pining for uh, desperately. But I really haven't talked that much about what he is and what to look for. And, you know, this is a game they're playing Saturday night. They're playing down in the swamp. They're playing Utah. Um, let me give you a little background. Anthony, Anthony Richardson, in case you, you know, aren't a, a giant slash Gator fan like myself. And you may not know him because he hasn't played that much. He's more of a, a myth than an actual person on the field. Um, he's 6'4", 232. This is his third year out of high school. Um, he threw two passes in the 2020 uh, Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma in extreme garbage time. 
played a handful of games last year, had some injury issues um, with his hamstring. It was an incident where he was dancing in his uh, hotel room and he sprained his knee, actually and requiring off-season knee surgery. So the, the big question with him right now is just availability. Can he stay healthy? But when he can stay healthy and on the field, he's something else. I mean, the things to watch for him when you're watching Saturday night is watch his field vision. He's someone who scans the field. He looks, you know, at all of his receivers, all of his all of his checkdowns, his set first read, second read, third read. He's decisive when he makes his read, makes his throw. Um, the one thing to kind of watch from a little bit is accuracy is not bad accuracy, but not great, great accuracy. He's not um, he's not pinpoint, but he's also not erratic. So it'll be interesting to see him this year as he's playing as his first year as a full-time starter, the more reps he gets throughout practice and playing you know, an SEC schedule to see, you know, how that completion percentage, you know, gets up there. I'm hoping he's around 65% would be fantastic. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get there or not, but we'll, we'll see. Um, you're going to see a guy who is an able runner. He can truck you. He can also, you know, run by you if necessary. Um, but again, knowing the Gator roster, they, they're, number two and number three quarterbacks are hurt right now. So if he goes down, we are screwed. So that may play a little bit into how much you see him actually running the ball. I'd like to see him personally 10 to 12 design runs per game. I mean, he's not a Tim Tebow where they're just going to do cloud of dust with him. Um, he can potentially break outside and, and break a big one with it, with his speed as well. So, um, I, I think the guy's really the total package, and this will be a good test against a pretty good Utah defense to see, you know, the first time him really being prepared to be a starting quarterback, not thrown in to the Wolves against George last year, and he clearly wasn't ready to start. This is, you know, an, an offseason where he's been the man, a new offense under Billy Napier, and let's see what he can do. So, yeah, the laziest way you could uh, describe Anthony Richardson is probably like a uh, less – of a runner version of Cam Newton. Um, same kind of body type, big body guy, big arm mm. guy, uh, you know, throws a really tight spiral, whatever. Same kind of accuracy issues, I would say, where it's not, like you said, it's not all over the place, but yeah, it's also, it's, it's not... Instead it's not of catching perfect. it right here, he, they may have to catch it right here. Yeah, It's not like going like this to try to catch it or just watching it sail over your head, but it's like, we want... If you're looking for a guy and we're thinking about a quarterback who could be a potential top five pick, someone the Giants would be interested in drafting if they are with presumably a piss-poor record like we think they're going to have. We want to see those throws being perfect. So that's something we want to see going from very good to perfect. So the other thing, you you mentioned uh, this is a good test for him against the Utah defense. I would say it's more than a good test. This is a very, very, very strong test. And if he has a strong showing, this will say a lot about him. Um, mm -hmm. He does work through his progressions pretty well. Uh, I would like to see him work through them a little bit, a little bit faster. He has good patience in the pocket, but he can. I don't know. I, I would like to see him work through a little bit, a little bit better. But what do you think the difference is going to be with Billy Napier's offense versus Dan Mullins? What what can we expect that you know of or that you think? Well, the first thing is you're going to see, you're going to see more twelve personnel with Billy Napier than you're going to with Dan Mullen. Um, you're also going to see a lot better offensive line. And I'm going to talk about Osiris Torrance in a minute as the second guy I want to spotlight 
as someone to watch in this game. Um, it's a very veteran offensive line returning and a transfer coming in who is expected to be at least an all-SEC guard, if not someone who could be a first-round draft pick. A um, little sketchy about the weapons on the outside. He does not have a, a really great assortment of targets. Um, no real deep threats. Um, you know, a couple of slot guys that are kind of halfway interesting, but nobody's really game-breakable. So um, I think you're going to see... I, I, they like to pound the ball. The, a Billy Napier offense is much more running the ball. I think you'll see, you know, at least a 50-50 split running, probably closer to 55-45 with based upon the, um, you know, the strength of the, of the Gator offense this year is quarterback and running back and not necessarily wide receiver and even tight end. Uh, so I, I think you're going to see a little more, you know, more of the, the the of the legs of Anthony Richardson than I probably would like, and not as much as the arm, but he will definitely not a guy who's going to throw the ball twelve times a game only. He's going to air it out when when necessary. And also, this team, you know, looking like it could be a potential four or five loss team, they're going to be down quite a bit. You're going to see them throwing more than they probably want to anyway. So, gotcha. All right, so you want to talk about Osiris Torrance too? He's another guy that I have on my. Which, by the way, I'm going to release my my uh i don't know grumps watch list uh <laughs> saturday morning and i'll bump it all day and i won't shut up about it going forward but osiris torrance is also somebody that i was looking at as well uh guard transfer from louisiana where billy mm-hmm. napier was uh, right. so he's already familiar with the offense so he should be up and running and and ready to go do you know where on the line he's going to play right guard left guard? he's going to be a right guard gotcha. yeah he's already penciled in that was the one spot we were worried about you know after last season was over, is we need a right guard back. I mean, the Giants and the Gators' offensive line issues over the last five, six years are very, very similar. You know, having, you know, Grump and I, you know, but even before we started the podcast, we look at each other and say the right side is just a complete sieve. And same thing with the, with the Florida line. And um, bringing Osiris, Osiris Torrance in is, is a huge get because he was – he was in the transfer uh, portal after um, Napier left, and he was being looked at by, I think, Georgia was looking at him. Uh, a couple of SEC schools were, and he, he chose the familiarity of being back with Napier. Um, he's 6'5", 347. Um, he was only a three-star recruit consensus um, uh, 24-7 guy. Um, he's a great combination of, of, of a run blocker and a pass blocker. Great hands, great hand placement. Um, the question I'm going to have, you know, and I think it's a, it's a realistic question is you're going from the Sun Belt to the SEC and you're going to be facing Georgia and you know the, the great defenses Georgia had. They're going to face LSU. You're going to face a, a pretty significant jump in talent. Um, all the scouts and all the, uh, you know, the insiders and everything say his technique is fantastic. That should, the transition should be fine. Not nothing to worry about, but again, until I see it, you know, starting this Saturday, you know, there's always been that little question. Can he take that step up? You know, transfers that we've gotten from smaller schools has been a mixed bag and not just at Florida, but other schools who dominate the smaller conferences and they come in and they just sort of get lost in the shuffle a little bit. But I think this guy is a keeper. Uh, he's on a lot of watch lists for um, offensive linemen of the year, preseason watch lists and everything. And, um, a lot of the success around Anthony Richardson is going to be about guys like him in front of him blocking for him. And you have 
I'm going to guess one other Florida guy that you are highlighting. Uh, no, that's it for today. Um, oh, you know, okay. I'm sure this is a pretty safe bet. And over the course of the next 11 weeks, a Florida game or two might be spotlighted by me as a game to watch this weekend. And there are, you know, there's a few other guys who have definite NFL potential, you know, may not be first round draft picks, but guys that in positions where the, you know, the giants are going to be looking at are guys to take a look at. So I'm going to, I didn't want to, uh, blow my wad on the, on this first, you know, game with the Gators. So well, sh- should I not guess that who another guy would be? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. So one guy that I have flagged for this game, and uh, I have this for for a reason, um, is Brenton Cox. Um, mm-hmm. And Brenton Cox is not a guy that is on an SEC level going to jump right off the film, I don't think, for a lot of people. Because he's not going to just have a whole lot of flashy highlight plays where he bends the edge and just gets around the corner in a heartbeat and destroys quarterbacks. But what he is, is a very high motor guy. He is going to fight through blocks and give 100% effort. And with that, he does, with second and third efforts, get to the quarterback that way. Um, And uh, seeing the development in him over the years is something that I really want to look for. So this is my first chance to see him this year. I think Utah is a really good first test for him. Uh, I'm interested in seeing him play there yeah his story was he was a five-star consensus five-star guy that georgia already he signed to georgia he transferred to florida he's been off and on he's a guy who kind of freelances a little bit too much i mean his his forte is going after the quarterback and getting him and sometimes he doesn't stay in his assignment um not the greatest in coverage at all but when he, he's got it like you said he's got a motor that's second to none and if you know, now that he, he did come back this year, I kind of assumed he would leave, especially with the coaching change. I mean, I don't know how these guys, I mean, a lot of these defenders that still here are probably shell-shocked from having a Todd Grantham defense that they had to deal with that was one of the worst defenses I've ever seen schematically, preparation, uh, you know, you name it, the defense sucked for the last three years. And um, he, you know, he, he's betting on himself and he came back for one more year at Florida. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see the maturity level. Of him. if he just, you know, is more disciplined and is not just gangbusters to the quarterback and just, uh, you know, takes himself out of plays when he shouldn't have to. But other than that, he's, uh, he's a guy that, you know, you could see some film on him and be like, God damn, that guy's a top five pick. And other times it's like, is Cox still playing? So that's, that's my take on him. So the reason I bring him up as a, a good test is because I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up somebody from the Utah side. I don't know if mm-hmm. this is somebody that you have, but uh, Braden Daniels. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where he's going to play in the Utah offensive line. I think he's a smallish. His size puts him in a weird spot where he could play both guard and tackle. Uh, I've seen some rumors that he's going to be playing left tackle for Utah this year, uh, but. Regardless, I would like to see that matchup. That will be an interesting matchup for Brenton Cox if he has to go up against Braden Daniels, uh, who I think looks pretty good on the Utah offensive line. Uh, I didn't have him. I had two guys from Utah, um, both on the defense. I had uh, Clark Phillips, the cornerback. Um, yep. He's a four-star out of out of, um, out of high school, 5'10", 178. Very physical cornerback. Yes. Uh, great burst. Guy who probably would be a day two pick would be my guess. 
but again, if we're looking at needs for the for the Giants next year, this is somebody that you know we should kind of circle, and he's going to have an opportunity. And again, let me preface this by saying that again, the Gators don't have the greatest assortment of of wide receivers out there. Um, look for a guy uh, Pearsall, who's a, a transfer who came over from um, Arizona State, number one. But again, he's not a guy who's going to be in the NFL, I don't believe, next year. But uh, you know, he's someone to, to watch. And one other guy on the defense from Utah, and it's someone I actually know, Mamadou uh, Debate, who was with Florida last year. And he's one of those guys who did transfer with the coaching change and end up going to Utah. And of course, his first game with Utah will be back at the swamp against his old team. Um, 6'3", 215, outside linebacker, a four-star guy out of high school. He's sort of like Cox, where he is just gangbusters, you know, to the to the quarterback. Just uh, very, very quick off the edge. Um, he's a pass rusher. That's what he does. Um, his issues are um, he was a poor fit in the Todd Grantham offense. They'd have him in space sometimes, trying to to, to cover guys, and it was awful. Um, a very poor tackling technique especially in space. But, you know, his main thing, again, was going after and getting the quarterback. So let's watch and see where, well, you know, he's got all the raw talent in the world. I think he was a, a bad, um, like everybody on Florida last year, of just a, a product of bad, bad coaching, bad technique, bad uh, preparation, which was not these guys' fault. I think it's the coaching staff's fault from before. Super interesting. Um I, I do have some Utah guys on offense. Uh, I'm not going to go into mega detail because I am not familiar with them on the same level that you are, but they are on my watch list. I've watched a bit of them. Uh, I've read quite a bit about them. Uh, Brant Queeth, tight end, um, basically a big-bodied receiver. Good moves and speed in the open field. Also, Dalton Kincaid, a tight end that Utah has uh, that I previewed earlier on in the year, I want to say like way back in like March or April or something like after the draft, I had already done work on him. And I like the running back, Tavian Thomas. Speedy, unflashy, one-cut, very patient runner with good vision and good burst. Just, to, you know, running backs for me, I love watching running backs in college because they really are a dime a dozen. And you watch them and you're like, ah, you could kind of use a guy like this, you know, it is whatever. So... Um, there are lots of players to watch in this. And you mentioned Clark Phillips, Cole Bishop also in that secondary for Utah, a, a decent safety. Lots of stuff to watch there. Um, do you want to stay with the Pac-12 SEC matchup? Go to Oregon-Georgia next. Uh, the other one I was going to, because um, again, I'm on weekends, I'm all over the place. I'm in the air a lot. And um, you know, this weekend, the Gator game is a night game on Saturday night, so... You know, and I'll be tailgating all day, so I'll not be completely on the couch just sitting there watching games. I'll be, you know, doing our thing. So um, the game I did want to see um, is the Florida State LSU game on Sunday night. That's in the Superdome in New Orleans. So it's technically not a home game for LSU. There'll be 60,000 LSU people there. A um, couple of guys that I wanted to go, a couple of guys from LSU and one guy from Florida State. Um, but before I do, did you have that was one of your targeted games? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have yeah. Uh, I have two guys from LSU and one guy from Florida State. Yeah, why don't you go first and I'll see if I well, have. Well, I, I think we have the same Florida State guy, right? Is it safety Jamie Robinson? I have Akeem Dent. Oh Another shit! Safety. Okay, wow. All right. I like I like Jamie Robinson because uh, 
he's athletic, he's a violent hitting safety, and he has a knack for forcing turnovers. And quite frankly, I think you can move him all over the place, but he definitely looks good running downhill, which is pretty much the perfect complement to Xavier McKinney. So I'm interested to see what he does this year. And they played a cupcake team last week, so I didn't even watch. That doesn't count, yeah. Well, they're in the ACC, so they have a lot of cupcakes, more cupcakes than Magnolia Bakery. But um, I have Akeem Dent, not someone I like because he went to Florida State, but someone I'll be interested in seeing. Um, 6'1", 203 pounds, a four-star recruit out of of high school. Um, Really quick feet. Um, And he's also not only is a good defender, he's a willing participant in run support. He's not afraid to go up and mix it up and be very physical. Um, the one knock on him is that he'd rather just lay the lumber on somebody than wrap up and actually tackle. So he's a little bit of that, you know, Deion Sanders vibe from Florida state of just like trying to get the big hit on someone, but as opposed to actually tackling. But, um, he's a guy, you know, with, with, with a quick feet and everything and, and just being kind of a complete player that's someone to watch and see, you know, a, a guy, you know, with the giants definitely needing some secondary help in the next year or so, you know, could be on the, on that watch list for maybe a day two or three guy. Um, on the LSU side, I, I, the first one has to be wide receiver Kayshawn Boutte. Yeah. Uh, sharp cutting wide receiver. One of the things I noticed immediately is that he is just not afraid to get hit or fight through tackles, mm-hmm. um, which is not what you'd expect. I guess when you look at him, he just doesn't, come off as that guy but it's absolutely his thing and he is dangerous in the open field as well mm-hmm. uh, yeah i got him he's uh six foot 190 he was a consensus five star out of high school um great top speed great route runner um he had a leg injury last year against kentucky and he missed you know quite a bit of the season but last year was a train wreck for lsu anyway um but um you know this this giant team's going to need receivers. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Kenny Galladay, you know, Kadarius Tony until he proves he can stay on the field and is not a distraction and all that stuff. You know, who knows? So wide receiver is definitely going to be a need for this team, you know, in the immediate and uh, near near term. So this is definitely some guy to watch. Uh, the only other guy I have from LSU that I had at like the top of my like watch list for LSU uh, was BJ Ojolari. Um, Aziz's little brother mm-hmm. kind of suffers from the same things that Aziz had, uh, except he's on a much worse team than Aziz is. Yeah. Uh, so it looks exacerbated. Um, but he's an athletic, high effort, high motor edge rusher with good speed it, that has the same issues. He's going to have to add bulk, add muscle, build his frame, and he's definitely got to work on his hands a little bit. And remember when you say that, you know, Georgia was a team of you know, a national championship team, an SEC winning team. The LSU team has a lot of talent as well. I mean, they their win-loss record hasn't been the last couple of years because they had Coach O and just, you know, chaos all around that program. Well, that, but that's what a, I mean. Like the, A lot of talent around there as well, shit too. Shit fell apart there. Yeah, exactly. And, and, exactly. That's and it what happens. I mean. Yeah. Uh, I have Jacavian Roy, defensive lineman from LSU, someone to watch. Um, 6'3", 315. Uh, a consensus four-star out of high school, uh, a thick, thick lower body, low center of gravity, but a really quick burst also. Um, we don't know what the Giants' defensive line is going to be like in the next couple of years. You know, with, you know, 
is Leonard Williams going to, you know, fulfill his entire contract? What's going to happen with Dexter Lawrence, all these different things. So, you know, we want to build a rotation and this is a potential guy, maybe a day, again, another day three guy that might be someone that they, uh, they might have had some interest in. Interesting. Um, so that was everybody for that game for you, right? Yeah. Um, I guess we, we have to attack the elephant in the room, and I don't want to f- go through every single guy in extreme detail, but Notre Dame and Ohio State is going to be a big watched game. There are definitely guys that need to be talked about from this game. The, Notre Dame, there's only one real name that's going to stick out right away, and it's tight end Michael Mayer. Um, he has that Gronk-style build, that traditional tight end look, a big body in the middle of the field. He just he looks like your traditional Y tight end. Um, I my big thing for him this year is can he do more than just block this year? Like, is he going to win his reps? Because a lot of, what I saw with him is like, yeah, he's a capable blocker. I was actually shocked at how a guy that big wasn't winning more. I want to see him win the reps more. I want to see him like finish blocks. I don't want to see just like a stalemate and a twist with him. He's too big to do that. So that's my big thing for him. But, but he's going to look good in the middle of the field so long as Ohio State isn't swarming the quarterback every other play. Um, and, and tight end certainly something that the Giants absolutely need. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Notre Dame just seems like one of those schools that's like a tight end. You, you know, they just, you know, Notre Dame and Miami. My yeah, Miami. Um, you know, offenses that are you know they run a lot of twelve personnel. Um, you know, just guys with good soft hands. Um, so that game is Saturday night, right? That's the seven thirty game. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I had it all written down and I lost. That's it. the same time as the Florida game, so I'll probably on the plane Sunday night probably pop that in and watch for watch highlights and stuff. Yeah, I may not because of time restriction things and just, you know, me having a life. Uh, I will <laughs> be watching these games, but I may not be watching them live. I may be watching them at a later date and whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I may not be live tweeting like things all the time, but I will be watching them and there will be content based on it. So, whatever. Um, Ohio State, the big one right away. Uh, well, there's I would say that there's two big ones, and they both relate directly to the New York Giants, and it's C.J. Stroud at quarterback and Jackson Smith and Jigba at wide receiver, who yeah. he might be the best player in this draft. He only had like 1,300 yards receiving in just the Rose Bowl. He was ridiculous, he, if you remember that game. He just... It's one of those things where, like, you know when you watch, like, Adrian Peterson college highlights? And I'm not saying – it's not quite this level. But you know when you watch it and you're like, oh, Jesus. I mean, like, this dude, he doesn't belong on this field with these people. Like, mm-hmm. it kind of looks like that with it. He just runs right past everybody. And he's a very uh, deliberate and calculated route runner. Just so precise with his feet. It's really, really crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, CJ Stroud – I don't know, and this is probably going to sound a little bit like scouting the helmet, but it's just so easy to look at Ohio State quarterbacks and just kind of let your eyes sparkle at them because of the way the offense is. You just kind of collect the best wide receivers and let them go, and they're in the Big Ten, so they pretty much run free. And people like Dwayne Haskins get 50 touchdowns. So Yeah. <clears throat> that said, C.J. Stroud is a smart and athletic quarterback with very serious ball placement it it is all the things that we said anthony richardson is like lacking that like precision with his ball placement i think cj Stroud might have 
um, and a really nice tight spiral as well. I think he sees the the field pretty well, but he's still slow with it in my opinion. He te- in my opinion he very much is locked into where he wants to go. And if it doesn't work, he will progress, but he's got to make that happen a little bit more fluid and naturally. Um, There's some other guys, obviously Zach Harrison, edge rusher. He's going to be a big name. We don't need to go crazy there. Uh, There's there's an absolute animal in the defensive line. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how to say his name. I think it's Tyliak Williams. (laughs) Uh Um, Another guy to watch. Uh, And both tackles for Ohio State are really good. Particularly Dewan Jones, but um, <clears throat> big body tackle, and this Giants team has essentially no tackle depth on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I'm not just scanning for first round picks here. You know, I'm I'm looking no, for depth no. on this team as well. So, you know, like you've mentioned, this guy might be a day two guy, or maybe he's a day three guy. That's important shit, man. Uh, so I'm looking for that too. Uh, do you have anybody else <clears throat> that you think needs to be mentioned out of that game? No, I think, you know, when you talk about like Ohio state, they've been one of the, you know, their perennial top five recruiting every single year, you know, from urban Meyer through Ryan day. So, you know, they have talent all over the place and, you know, their backups waiting to play are probably more talented than the guy in your college right now. So, um, I think, I think as one of the nice things of as we do this each Thursday throughout the season is guys are going to emerge that we're not even thinking of right now. And a lot of guys have a lot of preseason hype, uh, but there's going to be guys that are going to emerge. There might be a, you know, a right tackle from somewhere or a, a, a running back may get hurt and the backup might come in and all of a sudden kick ass. So um, we'll, you know, obviously I, I, half my brain is with the, with, with the, Giants, but the other half is with the Gators and scanning college football. So as I see these things coming up, we'll definitely present them to everybody because, again, we're not trying to make this your, uh, you know, your your primer just to watch college football games. It's how is it as the Giant fan relatable and what should I be looking for is something that we might need. And that's the way we'll kind of focus this thing. The, the last game that everybody should kind of keep an eye on and throughout the year, you should keep your eyes on this team. Georgia is so stacked with talent. It's it's insane. My whole SEC write-up is basically Georgia. So it's it's kind of hard to, to not look at Georgia throughout the year. Giants fans are going to want to laser focus on a couple of guys. Uh, and, and just to give you the, the big names right off the start, Keely Ringo, the corner for Georgia, sticky man cover corner. with He, he has the potential to be a lockdown corner that this team desperately needs. And... Safety Christopher Smith, I think, is a very smooth free safety with good instincts and speed. Um, another guy to keep an eye on. On the Oregon side, linebacker Noah Sewell. Um, I'm, I think the brother to, I can't remember his fucking first name now, but the tackle that uh, everybody wanted Cincinnati to get and they didn't and they got Jamar Chase. Um, Noah Sewell, yeah. athletic, instinctive, off-ball linebacker. He's got good cover skills and tackling ability. I guess that means he doesn't fit in Wink Martindale's defense. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, this team needs linebackers now that Martinez isn't here. So uh, Noah Sewell – and Martinez wasn't going to be here next year anyway. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely <laughs> another guy to look at. And Oregon has some other guys. But for this game, those are the guys that I would focus on because I don't think any offensive lineman from Oregon is going to really stand up to Georgia. O- Oregon had some brain drain when um, uh, the coach left to go to Miami and a lot of guys transferred out also. So they, they – they lost some key personnel yeah, throughout absolutely. their roster. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot real quick as we exit this thing. Right. Not talking player, 
right now in the draft, what is your number one position of need in the draft? Quarterback. Thank you. Same yeah. thing. Same. We'll adjust that, I guess, as we go along throughout the year. We're not, Absolutely. But we, right we, now, you asked me today, the answer is quarterback. Me too. And I think that's something we'll do is we'll periodically, you know, Grump and I do it during every game, top five needs, but we'll do like a, you know, a, a spot check of, you know, at the quarter pole, you know, or, or halfway through the season, what is our biggest need for the draft? And once we kind of start getting consensus on that, we'll start steering these, um, you know, these college previews, you know, heavier towards the positions we think we really need. But right now we'll just, we'll, we'll scan games. We'll be watching games. And uh, like I said, guys to point out as, as you're watching on Saturday, getting ready for giant football on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be watching people of all positions and of all draft statuses and of all preseason hype status. So when we do these things every, every Thursday night for Friday morning or Saturday or whatever, well, you know, we're going to bump this all weekend, but whenever we do these things, they will be very fine tuned to giant specific needs as we see things change throughout the year. Exactly. As you said. Um, but, but I am watching all things and all, I'm not laser focused when I'm watching, I'm laser focusing when I'm delivering to you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's going to be it. That's our first college football kickoff weekend. We just had to talk about the Blake Martinez thing as well. So I'm going to section this episode. I'll probably leave like a timestamp jump thing in the comments to help Ooh. with that as well. Nice. But uh, I guess we'll see everybody Tuesday morning, correct? Uh, Tuesday morning. That's right. All right, everyone. See you there. Be sure to follow on Twitter at football underscore grump at the cranky fan and like and subscribe to the channel as well on youtube spotify google play etc and also check out my show on fl teams on monday when i get back from the weekend as uh i talk about the rays upcoming sweep at the yankees so that would be a fun episode for you guys to enjoy <laughs> you hear that snacks you hear yeah. that justin <laughs> all right everyone we will see you next week go giants hey,